guys welcome to extreme bbm ejaz radio and on ejaz extra okay so we we air this tuesdays and fridays on ejaz radio and ejaz extra we do a crossover every tuesday and friday night that is on ejaz radio and ejaz extra so we get to talk to people that make the music because you listen to the music in between the week monday to friday 1 to 2 p.m east african time and then fridays and tuesdays we hang out with people that make that music okay so this week we are talking to is a grammy nominated trumpet player and uh is uh, in California right now. And it's interesting that you started at eight years old, but uh, Glenn Holdaway is on the show. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. My first time um, out here on um, African radio. It's a, it's a real honor, man. It's crazy that, um, you know, making music from, um, you know, from, from here can affect people all the way on the other side of the world. So just uh, kind of goes to show how, you know, the power of music is. You know, the internet has made everything different. So now we don't have to physically travel. You don't have to physically travel from uh, California to come to uh, Uganda, let's say, to have your music on and everything has been made simpler. So uh, let's see, you start, how at eight years old, first of all, I didn't know what I wanted in life, first of all. I don't even know if I played anything, but <laughs> how did you start at eight years old, you know, uh, getting into music? Yeah, it all started on on bass guitar, actually, because um, my uh, my introduction to, to, to music kind of came with, uh, with the Beatles they were um, obviously like a, you know I, the first time I heard them it totally changed my life and I wanted to be like a rock and roll player I wanted to learn the guitar but at school all they offered was bass guitar so I started playing bass and um, I stuck with that for a little bit but um, the program at my school wasn't very good so I didn't end up learning very much and um, and it just it, it wasn't a very good program so I, I didn't stick with the bass and um, I played bass for two years so um, that was fourth grade and fifth grade so then I quit and then I was going into sixth grade and I wasn't planning on doing music at all. I thought I was done with music. I still really loved to listen to music, but I didn't think I was going to play music until my dad came home one day and he had this case in his hand and he's like, Hey son, guess what this is? And I was like, uh, I don't know. What is it? He said, it's a trumpet. I said, okay, you know, that's great. Why, why do you have a trumpet? And he's like, I bought it on eBay. I was like, okay, why did you do that? He said, cause you're going to play it. And I was like, I don't want to play the trumpet though. He's like, well, too bad. I already bought it. It was like $200. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's how I started playing the trumpet. And at first I, I hated it. I did not like the trumpet. I did not want to play the trumpet, but, um, I think what kind of helped me was like getting into band and being like, um, and, and in middle school, there was a much better program there than my elementary school. So, um, I got to make friends. I got to kind of, um, you know, understand like uh, the function of, of a whole band. Cause in elementary school, there were probably like five kids in our band. So it wasn't really like that great, but in the middle school, there were a lot more and you had like a fuller sound. And, um, and I just, I started to like it after a while. And um, especially when I discovered reggae and I heard like the trumpet being used in, in that setting, because in school, all they really teach you is like classical and jazz. And, you know, I like those music, those kinds of music, but it's not, didn't really like affect me like rock and roll did, you know, like, like listening to the Beatles, how I just loved that music passionately and that like rebellious spirit it had and um listening to reggae and like hearing the trumpets in there and also like the message in the music was just uh it hit me in a way that really really uh made me fall in love with it and i, I never looked back and i always just uh knew that i wanted to be in a reggae band that was like my dream from then on that's interesting and you, you talked about the beatles today is paul mccartney's bath <laughs> oh really yeah that's amazing, man. Paul McCartney was my my first concert I ever went to, the Hollywood Bowl. 
I was uh, I was in eighth grade, and uh, yeah, I got to, I got to see him there, and it was amazing. I still have the shirt from there somewhere. I think it was I don't know, it was it was a long time ago, but yeah, it was <laughs> that was my first concert. So when you start with the trumpet at that time, then when do you you know we when we are young, you know, we can do certain things because we have the freedom to try out different things. Uh, at what point do you do you zero down and say this is what I'm going to do for a career and be serious with the trumpet? Yeah, so that that came way later. Like in high school, I was pretty serious about trumpet. I really really loved it but um i don't know i, I was too kind of hard on myself like i think that's something that a lot of musicians struggle with is that um it's a fine line between like wanting to progress and be better but then also being so hard on yourself to the point where you lose all the fun in it right it has to be a balance of like fun but also wanting to get better and being serious about your craft and in high school i was definitely way more on the side of um too intense and too hard on myself and it completely like sucked all the joy out of it and by the time i was a senior i was i was every time i went to play the trumpet i would just get so frustrated and upset and i was just like man i, I was just down on myself so i quit i thought i was never ever gonna play again i was like man you know i'm never gonna be good enough i'm never gonna sound how i want to sound i'm done and a, a whole year went by and i never ever thought i was gonna play again and then one day someone messaged me on facebook they're like hey um you know do you want to jam in my reggae band i'm just gonna have like a i guess he, he you know, he, he just wanted to, me to come over and jam with him. And I hadn't played in an entire year, but I was like, man, you know, I really love reggae. It'd be nice to kind of jam with him. So I went and I uh, walked over to my case. It had been sitting in my closet for a year. It was all dusty. I kind of dusted it off a little bit. And um, and before I opened it, I made a promise to myself. I said, the day this stops being fun, I'm out. I'm only doing this to have fun. I don't ever want to be hard on myself again and beat myself up and, you know, be miserable. So I, I made that promise. I said, I'm only going to do this to have fun. And I did. I went over to his house and jammed and had a fun time and then one thing led to another and I started jamming with a bunch of bands and again not ever thinking I was going to do it professionally not ever thinking I was going to get paid for it not expecting anything out of it other than I'm just going to go have fun and you know one thing leads to another and, and here we are a couple of years later and um, yeah that's that's all it's been and, and and I still have that in my mind like I'm only doing this to have fun the day this stops being fun then I don't want to do it anymore because I don't know like I, I want this to be my passion I want this to be the thing that, that I enjoy and that um, brings me joy, brings other people joy. Like it should be a positive thing, not something that makes me miserable, you know? Yeah. And you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't talk about this much, but usually be, be people that create things, even even me as a DJ, uh -huh. it took me like three years to ever even upload any mix up on, uh, online because I kept saying this is not good enough. And I kept going back and going for three years. I just wouldn't upload anything. And uh, I would do many, many, many mixes and keep them up and would never upload them at all. So, you know, and even with a, as an artist, you, uh, I think when, like you said, when you start enjoy uh, taking this for, you know, I'm just having fun. Everything just becomes, you know, everything just goes easier. Uh, you know, but getting to that point is usually hard. Yeah, yeah. You have to be really comfortable with yourself. You know, and and I know so many bands and artists that I've worked with over the years that have that exact same problem like they never want to put anything out like we'll record an entire album they'll spend like thousands of dollars on recording and never put it out because they're they're, they're just like oh man it's not good enough or this or that but you know at, at the end of the day it's like as long as this is kind of how I, I ended up thinking about it is like as long as i'm doing my best like i can't do better than my best you know so if i go out and do my best then it is what it is you know and, and i can feel good about it because that's the best i could possibly do yeah you know and if it's not as good as someone else, then whatever, they're, they're not them, you know, and, but they're not me or I'm not them, but they're not me either. And what I realized is that's kind of my strength is that 
I'm the only me out there, yeah. you know, and no one else will ever be me or have my experiences or will be able to do what I do. So it's on to me to figure out like, what do I do? You know, I could try all day to be someone else, but they're already out there doing what they do, you know? So I need to go do what I do and, you know, whatever that is, is going to be whatever it is. You know, I can't like try and force it, just do the best at what I can do. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of just the philosophy that I've taken. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that are listening in because usually I, have, I, I do support a lot of indie artists on the show. And, you know, it's a challenge when you're doing everything by yourself. Sometimes the frustration comes in and uh, you don't feel like uh, you, what you're doing is being hard or being appreciated as you think it should. Or people don't even realize how much you sacrifice to make sure that you can make the uh, <laughs> the, the work that you're doing. And uh, that's... And and what has been very vital during this time because we've been dealing with the pandemic and you no know, people aren't having shows like that, especially now the indie artists it becomes tough. But people still kept making music, and I was and I used to tell people I'm like, you know, the moment you do the reasons you do something is the reason why you'll continue doing it. If you're doing it just to get the money quickly and do and and that. It, it won't be sustainable because you'll hit certain points where you'll be on a low and you'll give up. But uh, if you're doing this because you yeah. like you like doing that, it's it will always, uh, you know, you will never be bored. Because I, I people ask me the same thing. Like, I, I'm like, they're like, how many, you do all these many shows and, you know, you keep tearing your body up and I'm like, it's because I just love, I just like doing it, right? And uh, I, I'm, it's a bit frustrating sometimes uh, when, uh, like let's say we're we're doing, and and I, I'm sure you've gone through this as uh, as someone perform uh, as a performer, when uh, someone says, "Hey, I would like to have you on my show," and you're like, "Hey," and they're like, "What will this cost me?" And then you give them a cost, and they're like, "Ah, that is too expensive," and this and that, and <laughs> that's what they usually say. And I'm like, let me tell, you, I don't do this because I need to be paid by you. I just do this because I love it. Now the payment part is because you're paying for my time, but you're not paying me. Yep. To enjoy what I'm doing, so uh, as as a performer, you know, basically even as a trumpet, because you played for a lot of bands, does it ever get frustrating when, let's say, uh, you play for people and you're in the back, and uh, the or the people that are at the front are getting all the appreciation because people that play instruments never get the same <laughs> appreciation? Yeah. Well, dude, first of all, I just want to acknowledge how many wonderful things you said in there, man. Like it's it's so amazing, like. Um, I feel like we're so much on the same wavelength where it's just, uh, there's, there's nothing else in the world that I'd rather be doing, yeah. you know, whether I'm getting paid or not, you know, like this is all I care about. But at the same time, like, you know, my, my time is valuable and, and I feel other people's time is valuable too. You know, like I always try and be, you know, on time or like, I don't know, just, you know, be considerate of other people's time. Cause that's the one thing you, you never get back, you know? So I don't know. I just think it's so awesome. This, everything you just said, man. And, um, I, and uh, just what you were saying, like in terms of being a trumpet player in the back, it's like, yeah, I, I, there's definitely times where I feel the horn players are somewhat underappreciated. Like there's a saying in bands where horns are like the last hired, first fired. You know, horns are like, if we have it in the budget, maybe we'll we'll have you guys. And, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks sometimes, but, you know, that's kind of just the life of a horn player. But, um, but here's something I, I kind of realized too, is that, um, you know, I need to show people that 
like I do add value to a show, you know, like I'm not just going to be an accessory item that uh, maybe we'll have it. Maybe we'll just have a keyboard player do it if, you know, so like I try and like, if I'm doing a show, like I'll try and do like some background vocals or I don't know, like I'll write intricate parts that like only like me and my horn section would know, or like we'll do, I'll try and like contribute in any way that I possibly can to like add value to it. You know, where it's like, we need Glenn because he does this, this, and this. He's not just a trumpet player who stands there and just like, you know, does something that someone else could do, you know, but, um, but either way, like I, that, that's in terms of being a sideman, but I feel like this past year, 2020 kind of taught me that, um, the importance of wanting to be a frontman too. Like that's when I, that's when I put out that, that single reggae medicals because, um, I don't know. I just kind of like a, a lot of times, um, I feel like there's kind of a pinnacle for a sideman. Like there's really only how high you can go you know, before you peak and then you're just kind of like, okay, you know, that's, that's just as far as you go. And you'll only really be known by other musicians, you know, like the general public probably won't ever know yep. who you are. Like most of the people in the world don't know who played on Michael Jackson's albums, you know, unless you're a musician, everyone knows Thriller, but no one knows who played on Thriller, you know, unless you're like a musician and have like looked at the credits, you know, but um, yeah, but I kind of realized is that I want to, make like a, a, a career for myself, you know, in, in terms of being a frontman, and I can book my own shows and I can kind of do things how, how I want to do it and not kind of be at the mercy of someone else. Because <laughs> when you're the side man, like you don't have a say in things, Yeah, <laughs> you know, people call you, they tell you what to do. And then if, you know, they don't like, I've, I've done gigs where I've, I've, I've flown out to different States, gotten to the state, gotten to the festival, ready to play. The artist didn't show up, Oh, you know? So it's like, Oh, Time to go home now <laughs> and and there's nothing you can really do about it you know it's just that's just how it goes but you know i, I don't really want to deal with that my whole life ideally i'd like to kind of have more control of of things you know and make sure that um you know i'm not really getting the short end of the stick all the time you know yeah and and that's very valuable because with uh with artists it's always people especially people that play instruments you know it's always important to add add more to what you do and so that like you said you're not just someone they they need to they know that you can add value so when they hire you they know uh, okay he can do this and i'm hiring him not because i just he's at my mercy but it's because of what he brings to the table and and a lot of people usually don't know that part of adding value when you get into the door because i i usually tell people even with artists even with people in the media i'm like the moment you get a chance, the easiest part is getting into the door. The hardest part is keeping inside. Yes. Yep. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And that's the other thing too. It goes back to like being yourself, you know, as ironic and cliche as it sounds. But the thing is like, if I'm just a cookie cutter trumpet player that sounds like everyone else, they could just fire me and hire someone else that yep. sounds exactly the same. But if I sound in my horn section, if we sound a certain way, we're like only we bring that to the table, then they can't just fire us and hire someone else. I mean, they could, but they're not going to get what we do. Yeah. You know? So that's the thing is like the more it, it almost devalues myself, the more I'm like everyone else, the easier it is to replace me, you know? So that's something I think about too. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very important. So on, on this channel as uh, you know, as a trumpet player, uh, what are, who are some of the people that you've performed with uh, just as a, a sideman for them or even at shows that the people probably can get to know about? Yeah. So, um, probably like the, the number one 
band that has mentored me and taken me around the world is uh, Soul Syndicate. And they're a band from Jamaica and primarily known as like a, a studio band. So a lot of the old reggae songs that you hear, they're the band playing on those songs. You know, it's like Dennis Brown, Gregory Isaacs, Bob Marley, a lot of the biggest artists out of Jamaica, Soul Syndicate was the band that played for them. And when I was 19 years old, that's when I met those guys and they took me under their wing and met me and, you know, to, and backed up countless artists with them and taking me around the world and all that stuff. So Soul Syndicate is like um, probably the, the biggest band that I could give props to. Artists that I played with um, would be like Don Carlos, Sister Nancy, Wailing Souls. Um, there's like some California bands like um, Stick Figure, Fortunate Youth, uh, Ayaterra, a, a bunch of reggae bands. Um, yeah, a lot of other random miscellaneous things in there. Reggae is kind of like the main world that I'm known in for my for my trumpet playing. So yeah, but I, but I do a lot of other stuff here and there as well. Kind of whatever the you know whoever's picking up or calling calling me on the phone. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of the times it's, it's reggae and um, yeah. Soul syndicate is, I, I can't say enough about those guys and how much they've shaped my career. And, and, and not only that, but just shaped me as, as a person, you know, just treating people right and having values and, you know, all of those, those things. Cause it all comes back around, you know, that's one thing that, that I've realized and seeing these guys who are, you know, a lot older is that, you know, you, like if you do someone wrong, like that person doesn't just go away, you know, like you're yeah, still going to have to be around for years and years, you know, so it's going to come back to haunt you inevitably, you know. Get, getting into, you you know, you was, uh, uh, 2020, you decided to put out a single of your own, right? And what 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 pushed you into that? Why, because uh, you, are, you, you are performing for people and uh, all of a sudden you make a single for your own and uh, that is out. What sparked that too i think it's it's a lot of yeah i think it's a lot of what we've been saying is that you know as a sideman like there's really only so far you can go and um i think what really inspired me too is there's a band from california called ayaterra and um and me and them we kind of like we're coming out at the same time like I'd, i i think they kind of got started in like 2013 14 ish era and like and they were just a really local band at first you know but i just saw them like grinding and putting out music and doing shows and like doing everything right and now like they've blown up and they're like you know probably one of the biggest like cali reggae bands out there in this course of um maybe like six years so just seeing that growth just inspired me so much and i was like man like that's just it's just incredible to see that you know i was like you know what i could probably do something like that too you know so I decided to put out a song and to see what happened, you know, and, um, and, uh, Ryan Cordage from a band called Eureka sound, um, is the guy who helped me. Uh, he produced that whole song and played a lot of the instruments on that song. And, um, and yeah, we, we just wrote that song together and, um, yeah, it's, it's done. It's opened a lot of doors for me already. Just, just one song. So that inspired me to make more music. And then like, it, it's crazy because that song came out on March 13th. March 15th is when the pandemic hit. So instantly like things are shut down and um, that gave me a lot of time to start working on some new songs. So I've got a whole album of stuff that, um, that I, that's all the demos are done right now. I'm just in the process of getting all the musicians on all the songs. So I've got 
all the drums laid down. I've got um, bass and guitar on some of the songs. The other songs I'm sending some, to some other people and then they're going to send it back because we're doing it all remotely still. Yeah. You know, if I get everyone in the room and record it all, it'd probably be faster. But now it's like, I got to send it to this person then he's got to record it and send it back. I've got to like, mix it and send it to this other guy and this and that. So, yeah, but but I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming pretty soon. And um, and one thing that's interesting, like I've been talking about reggae this whole time, but actually this album has nothing to do with reggae at all. And, um, and part of that is because um, I, I don't really want to like box myself into anything. Yeah. You know, I feel like um, a lot of artists have like typecast in a way like people, I think it's, I don't know if it's human nature or just the way that we've been conditioned in society, but people like to put things in boxes. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that's a reggae musician or this is a, a rock musician or this is like a rapper or whatever. Like, but, you, but once you're that, you can only be that. And if you try and be something else, then people like freak out and they want to be like, oh, like, what is this? And they get all surprised. So, you know, I've got like my one song that's a reggae song, but then this whole album, nothing to do with reggae. And then after that, I'll probably put out more reggae songs because I'll always love reggae, but I don't only want to be a reggae musician. Yeah. Like, I want to be a musician that makes music, you know? Yeah, I think it's good to be diverse. You know, it's uh, it opens up very many opportunities for you. So with the with the album, uh, what do you feel is uh, this being your first album? How how has this taken a toll on you, and how uh, how do you feel like there's pressure, <laughs> there's pressure to deliver? And- I mean, like the biggest strain it's taken me is like financially. Like, dude, it's expensive to to record an album, especially when like, because I could play all the instruments myself, but like, I mean, I'm not a great piano player, like. You know, and and like I I play the drums too, but I don't have a good recording setup for it. You know, so I gotta like hire a, a you know a studio and get a drummer to come play, and like it's just really expensive. You know, so that's like the biggest toll it's taken on me. But other than that, like I don't really feel a whole lot of pressure. You know, like it's it's kind of what I was saying earlier. It's like I'm gonna make the best product that I can possibly make, and if I'm happy with it, and I know that this is the best I can do, then it's the best I could do. You know, I can't do better than my best. So, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I, I don't feel too much pressure about it. And I'm going to put it out and, you know, I, I feel confident in the songs. I think that there, it's great music. I think it's great songs. And I think that there will be an audience for it, you know, like, and, and just based off the success that Reggae Medical has had, it's, it's made me really optimistic. And, um, but at the same time, there's, there's, there's also kind of a model that, that someone, told me and actually one of the guys from soul syndicate told me this he's like here's how you never get disappointed like you expect the worst but hope for the best you know so that way it's like you know if it doesn't work out it's like ah okay you know but then i'm still optimistic so i still have a good attitude like i'm not pessimistic or whatever you know so um yeah i'm just gonna do the best i can do make the best product i can make and in my heart i, I believe in these songs i know they're great and and at the end of the day i'm i'm happy with it you know i'm gonna put it out and you know, I'm, I'm sure it's going to do well, you know, people who like it are hopefully going to like it. I, I feel good about it. I, when did you, where were you and uh, what were you doing when you received the the notification or when you were told that you were nominated uh, for the Grammys? <laughs> I was in a tour bus on the way to Las Vegas to play a show and, and, this, and this guy called me. He's like, hey man, we're nominated for a Grammy. I was like, on what? Like, I was like, awesome. <laughs> but I didn't even know what, because I, I do so many recordings, I didn't even know which one it was. And apparently what it was is, um, so it was this orchestra from, from Germany called the String Theory. And a lot of them had flown all the way to LA to, to record an album. 
but a couple of the horn players either couldn't make it or, or weren't included. Like I said, like last hired, first fired the horn players, you know, so the string players were all there, but the horn players weren't. So they called some LA guys to come in for this session. So, um, so that's how I got the call. They said, Hey, uh, can you come be in the studio tomorrow? It was like a, it was kind of a stressful session because it was, it was an eight hour recording session of songs I'd never seen before. So they just put the music in front of you. They said one, two, three, four, boom. And then you just start recording and you're supposed to play it perfect. Cause it was the orchestra had, uh, it was probably like 60 people. It was a huge orchestra all in the same room. So if one person messed up, you'd do the entire song over again, oh. <laughs> you know? So you really had to sit there and play like perfect. And <laughs> there was one song when we, it, and it was the very, very end of the session. Cause you know, the studio time's expensive. So when it's time, it's like, boom, it, you're done you know? And it was the very last song of the session. And we had like five minutes left and we finished the entire song. And there was one person that messed up the last note of the song and the conductor, he just paused and was like, one more time. And we had to do the whole song again. I was like, Oh man, I wouldn't want to be that guy. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was, it was probably one of the most like intense recording sessions I've been in, but that's the one that ended up getting nominated for the Grammy. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty surreal feeling. I was, I think I was 23 at the time. So yeah, it's pretty cool. In fact, that's, that's it right there. Oh yeah. yeah. That is, oh, that's a, the certificate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I record from, from this chair. Like my microphone is, is right over there. Yeah. So sometimes if I'm like getting frustrated or whatever, I'll just look up and be like, I'm not doing so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you have a projection of when the album will be out? I'm hoping by the end of this year. You know, again, it kind of just depends on when people get their parts back to me and all that stuff. But everything is like so close. Like all the songs are completely written. All the demos are done. It just needs, you know, people to get their parts on it and all that. So I'm, I'm really hoping for like maybe around like September, October, December around there, you know, but we'll see you know i'm, I'm just I'm, I'm not trying to like like i do have this sense of urgency where i just want to like get it out like i i want so badly to put this music out but at the same time like i don't want to rush it or just kind of cut corners and be like i'll just put it out you know i want to like make sure that i'm doing it right you know and you know getting everything together but i really want to get it out man like i i, can't, I just i can't wait to see what where this takes me you know yeah i uh I got like big hopes for myself, man. I want to be like, like really, I want to be like the most like famous trumpet player in the world. That's like my dream. I want to like take this as far as I can take it, you know? So we'll see what happens, but that's, that's what, that's where I'm trying to take this thing, man. Yeah. You already have a certificate behind you. So the next thing is the one where you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that would be nice, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, how can people, you know, follow you and how can people get onto this channel with you? What is, wh where can you direct them? Your socials or website like that? Yeah, my, my Instagram is where I'm most active, just Glenn Holdaway with a little underscore. And then uh, my website, glennholdaway.com. You find me on Spotify, Glenn Holdaway. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I'll be doing everything. But Instagram is where I'll be making all my announcements and stuff like that and all and all my sideman stuff as well i'm still like recording a lot for other people and doing a lot of shows for other people and staying busy in that sense but um yeah there's there's always stuff going on man and i'm i'm really blessed and thankful for that especially during times like these you know yeah yeah it's it's been uh, great having you on the show you know and so guys on the extreme bbm uh, i had glenn hauled away and uh, he was we were talking about his new single and the album that he has coming soon hi everyone this is glenn holdaway and um you're listening to reggae medical